Hello, hello. They don't have any mic cushions? No. I feel like that's the sort of thing you, you could get in like a convenience store in Japan. I, I was shocked because they had they had a million different microphones and and uh, all of the, you know all of the uh, the little cushions on it. They were like, oh no, no, you can only buy it with the microphone, but it's only like twelve thousand yen. I was like, no, 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 I already have a microphone. I just want a damn cushion. Um, anyway, so using a sock here, Brian. Hopefully, this will sound a little bit smoother. Lovely. And not the first time he's used a sock. <laughs> Obviously, not very successfully. <laughs> well, what were your two kids, Jimmy? <laughs> right. On that so, note, <laughs> let's, uh, get to, let's get to jazzing. <laughs> took a jazz joints blue note. Okay. <laughs> Okay, welcome everyone. This is Tokyo Jazz Joints. Even before I finish the introduction, James is fistling something at his end. Um, it reminds me of being a primary school teacher again. All that fistling. I'm not fistling. Do you know what? Do you know what fistling is? No, no, actually, but I'm not fistling. Okay, but, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but you're claiming not to fistle anyway. Um, we're over the half century, and uh, we've got, I think, three parter coming up here maybe we'll go for four but um a series of uh a series of episodes coming up and i don't know james first of all how are you this week i am um peachy keen let's put it that way peachy keen yes okay feeling well been productive um and uh got a fridge full of uh, imported beer so ready to talk jazz and get a little loopy as usual on a sunday night with you philip i thought you i thought it was peachy clean but you're saying peachy keen, are you? No, Is that a thing? No, no. I, 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 yes. Trust the American. Yes. Peachy keen. Yes. Okay. And just to be clear, you said you're ready to what? You're getting loopy or looby? Uh, loopy. Loopy. Let's uh, wait. Loopy. Wait, wait. I thought, thought okay. we said this was a family friendly podcast here. Yes. No. Getting, uh, getting loopy. Definitely not getting looby. So, um, do, are you familiar with the expression? Um, it's grim up north. Have you heard that expression before? Yes, yes, I think I have, but uh, I think I would like a little elaboration, um, Philip. Whatever do you well, mean by Grim Up North? Well, there's an expression in the UK, particularly this idea it's Grim Up North. Now, obviously, it's not Grim Up North. In fact, the north of England, which it kind of generally refers to, is a beautiful place, and there's lots of stuff happening, and there's lots of beautiful scenery and landscape and all this kind of stuff. But there is this, like anywhere, like Tokyo, Osaka, south of England, north of England, there's always this kind of split. But obviously, this uh, this episode and the next couple that are coming up in particular, we're focusing on the northern part of Honshu. And I would say, it's safe to say, it's not grim up there, is it? Well, that depends on your perspective. I would, <laughs> uh, I, I would qualify it by saying that there's, um, it's definitely, a, it can be very starkly beautiful, um, the nature, the mountains, um, the, the very unique forestry, the onsens, the hot springs. Um, but there's a lot of barren places, a lot of empty towns, um, a lot of depopulated towns. We've talked about this, I think, several times on the podcast, Philip. You know, Japan is rapidly aging and going through population decline. And, and nowhere is that more evident than in the Tohoku region. Um, which oh. is, I mean, you know, there's parts of it where you go through and, and, and pretty much, um, 75 to 80% of the population are above the age of 50. And so, um, you combine that with a sort of declining economy, uh, rather, you know, unbuilt up cities. And yeah, you could, you could definitely say that at least urban wise, uh, urban Tohoku is, is pretty grim. Okay, so I mean, you started off quite diplomatically, but it just descended into, <laughs> into a really quite apocalyptic uh, assessment of the north. Well, look, I mean, <clears throat> I've been up a couple of times when I lived there, obviously, uh, particularly in the winter. And, uh, you know, anyone who's been to Japan will know, and particularly if you're into skiing, you'll know that more or less anywhere north of Tokyo, once it comes winter, you know, you can get to skiing very quickly. And particularly up in, in northern Honshu and Hokkaido as well, there's a lot of great ski resorts. Um, and it's, you know, pretty heavy snow for, for like a, a good chunk of the year, particularly over the winter period but like happily i just went up with a with a light jacket and a sweatshirt this time and the first place that 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 i went was actually akita and again it's one of these 
things. I, I mean, there, there was three places that I had on the radar and I know that one of them in particular, you were quite keen to get to um, at some point, but unfortunately we weren't able to make that, that happen this time. So I went up with a friend of mine, Tom, and um, it's one of those things where you kind of, when, when you, again, when you look on the map, you think, oh, well, I'll pop up there and then I'll pop across here. But like, the reality is that when you actually start to put in the times and how long it's going to take you, and also bearing in mind that, you know, once you leave Tokyo, it's not quite so regular with the old train schedules and that, you know, it, you're, you're looking at five and a half, six hours and halfway through that journey, you're thinking, is this a fool's errand? You know, like this is a long <laughs> yes. way to go for well, potentially... Mm-hmm. Think, not finding somewhere or, you know, being people, closed or whatever. Um, a lot of people outside Japan, and, and sometimes even when you're living here, you kind of forget. Um, Honshu in particular, the main island, is narrow, but it's extremely long north to south. I mean, Akita from Tokyo is is almost 600 kilometers. And if you think about that, the, the Shinkansen, the bullet train, only takes you kind of part of the way. Um, and all of the mountainous areas that trains, local trains have to go through. It's a real, real trek. I mean, uh, before the bullet train, it would have been, I mean, it would take you a whole day to get to places like Akita and Aomori. Yeah. So that sense of distance, um, I think is, is still really felt what, you know, culturally, um, obviously I mentioned, you know, the weather, um, and even in the dialect, you know, it's very, it's a very distinct dialect up there. So it's, it's definitely a lot farther than, than you imagine. And so, and Philip, it's funny because I, I felt the exact same thing when I went up to Aomori three years ago, um, thinking like, oh, okay, just past Sendai. We should be there in about another hour or so. And it was like way, way past that to get to the top of Tohoku. So yeah, definitely. Oh, it's far. It's, it just feels far. Yeah. Well, look, we were heading for Akita was the kind of final destination for the night. But um, looking through the Jazz Kisa map, um, you know, we there was a place on the way. And like, again, it's, it's so hard sometimes to tell, right? When we find a name, we're like, hmm. What's this going to be like? And and you know you never know from from uh, quite often the website. Uh, there is no website, obviously, or sometimes if you do get the website, that doesn't give you any more clues. So there's a place called Kenny Tone that had come up, and it was in a place called Kakunodate. So if you you know if you have any concept of the map of Japan, you basically go directly north to a place called Morioka, where the kind of the Shinkansen splits, and then you head out uh, west on Honshu Island. And on your way, this Kakunodate. Kakunodate is one of the stops. So um, I had this place, Kenny Tone, in mind. And um, when we got there, we were like 10, 15 minutes early and hung around. And I mean, James, I mean, this was one of these places where, again, when you get there, and, you know, I'm, I'm loving that, you know, you can now live vicariously through me rather than the other way around <laughs> when I'm stuck here. But like, you know, as you come up, you walk up the tracks and you cross over the tracks and straight away you see this beautifully hand-painted sign with a car park where it says Kenny Tone. And it's obviously parking specifically for for this place. And it has, which we'll put on the Instagram, a very odd representation of a of an emoji, <laughs> which which just doesn't quite look like the emotion I think that it's meant to meant to possibly convey. But you pass that, so you know you're in the right area. And then, you know, 20, 30 yards beyond, uh, there's this beautiful little very odd kind of detached house built in almost like a sort of chalet something you'd see like in in kind of alpine europe very odd little little building and um we hung around the edge and a guy pulled in in his car and i was like straight away i was like that's definitely the master like that's got to be him and lo and behold like two minutes later he came around the corner and you know once again was like Okay, well, I've never had a queue before, you know, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, he he was very welcoming. Let, let let us in, and his name was Arakawa-san. And actually, as we got to talk to him, uh, you know, when you go into this place, it's this beautiful wooden building inside. It's all very nicely appointed with like little booths and and um, uh, you know, like uh, wooden fittings and things like that. Big speaker system down one end, uh, bar at the other end where he's making coffee. And actually, he'd only been open for eight months. Like 2022 is when he was opened. It's amazing because I, I remember when we you, you first dropped the name to me and I was like, uh, Kenny Tone, I, 
you know, I was I head up north a couple times uh, over the last few years, and I don't remember the name. So, and what's really interesting is that yeah, it's only eight months old, but like you said, the, obviously the building is much much older, and it definitely <laughs> yes, that sort of European ski chalet style of architecture yeah, yeah. is very very accurate. Um, but even right down to, and you know how much I love a good sign, especially those old sort of coffee signs that they put on the road in front of a lot of shops. You know, so he's got one of those that says. Kenny Tone Coffee and Jazz Key Coffee, which we've seen dozens and dozens of times. You know, the blue sign with the yellow key logo on it, which is a local coffee brand. So everything about the place looks like it's been there for, you know, 30 or 40 plus years. But but that is that is not the case. It is it is fairly new. And Philip, I believe that um he, while not expecting you, uh, there was <laughs> there were some mutual friends involved once you started talking to him, if I remember that correctly. I think you might be talking about someone else, um, but um, I, there was, I don't remember any mutual friends from him. But th- this, he was actually a teacher, funnily enough, and he he was like just very sort of like you know I I worked as a teacher for a long time. I love my job. I love my students. But he was like, I turned sixty five. He's like, I wanted to retire. My dream is always to open a jazz kisa. So I opened one. And funny enough, you're right about the building. It's actually been there for forty years. And it was closed for eight. So like, you know, before COVID and then through COVID, the building was completely closed. <clears throat> and when he retired, he just decided, right, well, I'm I'm taking over. And there'd never been a Kisa there before. I don't know what the building was. Um, and, you know, again, like in that area, it's sort of slightly no man's land. So he was like, you know, there wasn't really anywhere like in this vicinity, you know, like you have to go to like Akita or Morioka or something like that. So he's kind of like... Uh, you know, found this niche for this place. He himself uh, was a musician as well. And he said he's played like over 70 concerts, including with like Toshiko Akiyoshi. Oh, and funnily wow, enough, okay. in the, in the just on the table, he has this kind of sax in a case on display. And of course I was like, oh, this must be your saxophone. He was like, no, no, no. He's like, one of my students gave this to me and said they wanted it to be displayed in the jazz kisa. So like he's one of these, you know, obviously clearly like so many of these towns, you know, we know like there's a lot of school teachers and, you know, they have a very good relationship with their students. Obviously you'd be seeing your students all the time. A lot of people maybe stay in the town or come back to the town. So like there are those connections, you know, and almost within about 10 minutes, there was three or four customers who came in that are obviously regulars come in just for their coffee. You know, they're maybe not like super jazz fans, but they just come in have a chat and it's kind of just obviously become very much like the neighborhood cafe, but it just so happens to be a jazz cafe. So like absolutely beautiful find, like beautiful place to go and, and visit. And it's um if you if you look at some of the pictures online and, and eventually you're gonna get yours up on, on Tokyo Jazz Rants, of course you can see that the inside of the building, you know, we've talked before, Philip, about how some of the jazz spots we go to are very regionally sort of um what's the word, you know? identifiable to the region that they're in. And and this one with that sort of sloping roof for the snow to fall off, the wooden beams, yeah. all of the wooden interior definitely feels like you're in a cold environment. And I think I just remembered why, uh, yes, not a mutual friend, but um, just a similar situation. Do you remember our very, very Genki friend, Kurita-san at Nefertiti in Chiba, who was also um, yes, in education? Yes, of course. And he, um, basically the day he retired, he was like, you know, ready to open Nefertiti Jazz Key. So obviously it takes yeah, yeah, time yeah. to prepare. So, but, you know, we've seen, we've seen that so many times before with, with the owners who, you know, it's, it's always been their dream. And once they were able to sort of, you know, financially do it or retire from their main job, um, you know, it became a reality. And in terms of the customers as well, I mean, you know, you can see from some of the pics online, I don't know whether you, you saw that. Uh, because you were there during the week, but I know that they still do, you know, pretty, you know, regular small live events there as well. Even even through COVID, um, it's it's not a huge room, uh, but there's space for a keyboard and I, I would assume, you know, sax, guitar, bass, and drums, or especially vocalists. You know how they love their jazz vocalists here in Japan. Uh, but did he mention anything about you know playing live there himself or, or calling people from the bigger cities to come out? No, he wouldn't have been doing it in, during COVID though, because he only opened 2022. So I don't know, there might be people with masks and things like that. But I mean, he definitely said it was, he'd only been open eight months, which I think was kind of the, oh, the yeah. surprising well, you know, in, thing, in, right? In, in, in Japan, yeah, I, I associate COVID still going on today because everybody still masks here. <laughs> so even a recent picture, you're going to have 90% of the people wearing masks. But uh, yeah, that, well, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's but right. I mean, yeah. 
I don't know if he did any, uh, I can't remember him talking about gigs. Like he was very keen to say, you know, how many of these kind of um, like uh, concerts he'd done, you know, like he mm-hmm. I mean, very specifically like named over 70, but it was just one of those places where, <clears throat> you know, it, it, there was no kind of like, he was just delighted that someone, that people were there. Like he was just very gregarious, very welcoming. And, you know, as we left, he was like, oh, make sure you tell people about this place. And, you know, I said, oh, I'm sure there'll be, there's going to be like an American coming up at some point. So <laughs> prepare yourself for that. And he was like, oh yeah, please, you know, tell your friends. And and so I think it's just one of those, you know, things where this man's just living his best life. Like he's just, he's he's given his time and he's done his duty and he's worked as a teacher and had all these students come through. And now he's like, okay, now it's, it's, it's my time, you know? And he, he just comes in there, he does his thing. And it's just a beautiful place. And again, one of those places that, you know, unless you're kind of very specifically going to it or you live in the vicinity, you're very unlikely to to come across, you know, like, a, you know, it's not the sort of place that you would stumble on other than if you were going there like directly, you know, deliberately or you're in that town for some reason and you came across it, you know, because it's it, it's really out there, you know, in the middle of nowhere. For sure. And it, it was really exciting for me to hear about a new place in a location like that, because usually, and we're going to get to another one of these um, on an upcoming episode very soon here in the North, uh, usually it's the opposite. Usually it's a place that was on the list or I've been there once and sadly closed down because either the owner didn't have someone to take over or just business was was not good. So not only, uh, you know, getting a new vintage looking place like Kenny Tone, but but seeing that he's getting his regular customers and getting a routine there is just so exciting, especially because, you know, like I mentioned in Akita, this is not even an Akita city, right? This is this is a this is a smaller town, not even in the prefecture. Oh, this is like a good I mean it's a good it's a good, I think like 45 minutes away. You know, like mm. it, it's not even it's not even on the outskirts of Akita. Like it's halfway between Morioka. So we got off the train deliberately um, and then, you know, got back on uh, when the next Shinkansen came, you know. So, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's not even like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll jump in a cab to the outskirts right. of Akita City. It's, it, it's, right. it's just in the middle. You know, it's like no man's land right between the two, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, for for our, our many listeners who are outside of Japan, you know, we we mentioned that that there's a Shinkansen, there's a bullet train, so there's much more connectivity to the bigger cities, but the timetables are you know very empty, once an hour, and even even with the bullet train, there's not a lot of traffic, not a lot of people getting off at these regional cities there. So yeah, I can imagine his reaction when he pulled up the parking lot and saw you and Tom there. It was just yeah, like, what it was brilliant. In store for me today. Yeah, did not expect to. It was far brilliant. So that's a so great highly start, recommend though, it because I remember we were texting and you know you you had some of the usual just you know traveling things happen as you departed Shibuya. We we don't need to go into the excitement and fun of visiting a JR ticket office um, in Tokyo <laughs> Station, but uh, I <laughs> don't, think some people don't get know. me started. Some people know what I'm. Referring <laughs> well, that's to, the but- thing, right? Because like like I was in this sort of. I mean, I was going to say that. The, probably the, the the background context for this that I was, you know, I had literally arrived the night before, as we said in the previous episode, you know, I got the hotel finally at seven after the whole cancellation debacle and you had picked me up 15 minutes later. So at this point, like I, you know, I'm still sort of like acclimatizing the jet lags real. I'm very tired. I don't know what day it is or really how much I've actually slept. And so the next morning I'm straight on the Shinkansen up here, you know, and this is the first place that I, I, that I go after, you know, we left each other on the Monday night. So there's sort of that context for already, you know, now the Shinkansen great because if you've taken it, you'll know, like, you know, it's basically like a plane on the, on the ground, right? So you can sleep on it. It's comfortable. There's a lot more leg room than a plane as well. So it's really, really nice. But when we left Kennytown, then the next place was, was, was a place called Monin that we were aiming for. Now, this was a really complicated one because again, you mentioned like the trains, right? So we have to, you have to kind of like time it perfectly, right? So we left Kenny Tone in, in time to make the next Shinkansen. And the the slight time sensitivity on that was that we discovered somewhere along the line that Monin now has this kind of weird split shift. So it, it opens from one to five and then it's like takes, the guy takes two hours off and then it's open from like seven to 10 or 11, I think, or something like this. So Again, you know, when you've traveled six hours, you're 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 very much thinking, I, I, like, I'm not coming up this far to like just be lazy and accidentally miss a place and be like, oh well, next time. Because again, we don't know there's going to be a next time, right? Whether you're going to be there, whether the place is going to be open, whether the owner's going to be like in good health, and all these kind of things. So we raced for this moaning place, James, and you've already mentioned it about like 
about like the trains. But the other thing about these northern cities is they're built they they're built with a slight slightly more of a nod to like planning, right? So they have like space, first of all. So there's big, wide streets. So again, you look on the map and you think, oh, well, it's just around that corner. But actually, you're talking more about like American city blocks, right? So it might actually be like a 20, 25 minute walk rather than, you know, in Tokyo where you where it would literally maybe be around the corner or like a couple of streets over, right? I mean, oh, you've easy, experienced easily, this too in these places. Easily, the distances, yeah, and and also just the yeah the space between buildings. It's so it's so easy to forget that when you're looking at the map. You find that a lot in rural Japan because you know you live in the city, everything is jumbled together. You can walk literally anywhere to a train station, even if you need to. But but yeah, that that's a that's a misleading one. The other thing being that you know, um, you know, as we mentioned up in the north. A lot of empty places and a lot of houses and buildings that look very, very similar. And so I found myself when I was wandering around, not Akita, but Aomori and uh, Morioka, that, you know, I was constantly getting misdirected because things just looked very, very familiar. It was really hard to get a, a feel for space up there because of like the vast distance between things. Literally seeing a horizon, which is something you would never see in, in a lot yeah, of Yeah, you're like, oh, you've yeah. Got, you've got hills <laughs> or you've got buildings, you know? So that, that, that yeah, it yeah. gives that really really big feeling but i'm really interested to hear about your approach to monin because it's been on my radar for many years um a good friend of ours um mitch uh some of our listeners may know bose 1978 online he's a he's a, a japanese guy who visits jazz spots all around the country and i first saw pictures of monin um that he had put up online maybe four five six years ago and again i was immediately struck by because the structure philip surely you you took a lot of pictures of this he has this sort of like weird wooden i I don't know how to even describe it it's like a home but it's got like a wooden sort of like wall around it and and again that must be because of the bitter bitter cold up in the tohoku region right yeah i mean this place is i mean i've been absolutely so I haven't told you some of these stories, right? Because we wanted, I wanted to share them with you on the podcast, obviously. And I've also sent you a photograph which, on WhatsApp just now, which I don't want you to look at just for now, right? So, But just be ready to open that photo in a bit. But okay. yeah, I mean, we got to the station and again, it's like, oh crap, it's like half an hour walk, you know? So we jumped in a cab and we got there and... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like a home. There's there's like a driveway where he parks. It has this very nice um, sort of frontage. And like you say, it's, it's very much like a, you know, like a wooden kind of building part of it. And it's obviously up north and, and there's all those kind of weather and, and like snow considerations. And like when you go inside... Um, it actually drops down. So it has like a basement. So you you go in the door and you come through this curtain and there's a tiny bar like we would expect to find a lot of jazz kisa. You know, uh, I think like five five seats and then there's 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 just this curtain on your right. But when you look behind you, it drops right down into a basement floor. And down there, there are like two speaker stacks and like sofas. And also piped in is uh, is like a big black flue for a wooden, like a wood fire burner. So you can imagine like in there in the winter, you're sat in there, you're tucked below ground level in the basement. This wood burner is going, you're on these sofas, this music is like blaring and it just must be like the 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 co- must be like being in the womb right it's just like the coziest place but obviously that wasn't on because it's you know summer is coming but when we came in it was just the owner the master and uh one customer and like the customer did not acknowledge us and nor does he need to he was just having a coffee and tom and i came in and just slipped in quietly uh, on the counter. But what really set the tone was straight away, the owner was like, do you speak Japanese? And then he was like, very, very keen to let us know what time it was. I think it was around 4.30. So we were just, so he was obviously in his head, like, okay, you know, it's going to be locking up time soon. A couple more records and I'm done. And he's sort of like, do, do, do you know that like we're closing at five? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's no problem. You know, daijoba, daijoba. <clears throat> so, he sat, he sat us down, we ordered a drink and then, and I, like, I'll never forget this because then he put on this Gene Ammons record. Now, first of all, the record is called Goodbye, 
which is very poignant because I think it was actually Gene Ammon's last album before he died in 1974. But also, I did read it slightly as uh, this is <laughs> this is going to be one of the last records for you boys. <laughs> so there was just this. So there was this goodbye record on, right? <laughs> and then he turned it up so it was so loud, right? And so you know we're just sat at this little counter. And the guy's having his coffee. Tom and I are there. And this Gene Ammons. And the track he was playing was called Sticks. It's like pretty upbeat, pretty funky. And Great it was tune. just so, so loud, right? And part of you is just like, this is heaven. And also part of you is trying to stop yourself from laughing because it's so ridiculous, right? It's just so intense and so loud. And a couple of times then, of course, I tried to speak to him, you know, to say like, here's what we're doing. Would it be okay to take some photos? But like at no point would he turn the music down. So you're kind of <laughs> shouting across the counter and I can't really hear what he's saying and he can't really hear what I'm saying. And the, all the time this Gene Ammons and next to us, just this guy is just like sat there sipping his coffee, right? Thinking someone's disturbed my afternoon. So we sat for a bit longer and this record kept playing. And then he was like, okay, well, look, you're going to need, you're going to need to get a taxi, you know? So we were like, okay. So he's like, I'll call you a taxi, right? So then he called the taxi, right? But did he turn the music down? <laughs> so so, so he's screaming into this phone, right? Now, look at the photograph I sent you on WhatsApp. Okay. And I'll post this on Instagram for anyone like, for, for the <laughs> listeners as well. Oh, no. Right, so... So at one point he was down on all fours behind the counter on the floor, one hand over his ear, the, the other hand clutching his phone to his ear and shouting at this taxi driver trying to get this taxi to come. And eventually he gave up and went outside and called the taxi, right? But this man, all he could think about was like, are we going to be out of there by five o'clock, right? Okay, Philip, so, this, is, this is incredible for a couple reasons. Okay, first of all, and, and please, <laughs> please do... Uh, you know, this will surely be up on uh, all our social media and maybe even up on the main website. But I, I know that you would have taken a couple pics of the street outside of Monin because um, I'm having a I remember seeing it before, but I'm having another look now. And it is just inexplicable that he would close for two hours to prepare for some sort of evening yeah. rush. Because if, yeah, you look yeah. where, if you look where this place is, it is just, I mean, you mentioned Baron does not, you know, do it justice. So it is completely incomprehensible why he would feel the need to close for two hours to prepare for bar time, given one, the location, and two, the picture you just sent me and what you described of the little cozy room. Um, this isn't exactly like, you know, going to get the, the nighttime rush hour crowd in Akita City uh, coming to Monin. So um, I'm I'm so curious. I'm so super jealous that you've been there. And I, I, I mean, it, it's just, it's just, an, so I'm guessing though that before before the taxi came, I mean, you got the pictures, but I'm assuming you didn't really get much conversation time with him. Well, I mean, weirdly, yes and no, because he, he kind of did want to talk. And then, so, I mean, basically what happened was he, he played this Gene Ammons album. He called a taxi, obviously told them to come at a certain time. And then he, when it, when it was quiet, the other customer left and he said, you know, well, where are you from? And I and I think he got Tom first because I was taking some photos. So Tom said, England. So he immediately was like, Peter Ind, Peter Ind. And then when I came back to the counter, he was like, where are you from? And I said, Ireland. He was like, Van Morrison, Van Morrison. So he got these two records out. One of them was Astral Weeks. One of them was a Peter Ind album. And he was like, which one do you want to hear? So he ended up playing Van Morrison. So... Mm. It was sort of like the leaving track. It was the, like it was like the track that we had to leave by. So he was playing like Astral Weeks, so <laughs> and we were and he was like, "Look, okay, your taxi's here now." And then he decided that we would need to go to. We had to go see the cherry blossoms. So he got he came out with us, and he said to the taxi driver, "You need to take them to the park to see the cherry blossoms." So and and then he sent us off on our on our way. So as soon as I got into the taxi, I was like conscious that we had to go check in we were going to go to to the next place we're going to discuss in a bit and so i said to the taxi driver like i'm really sorry don't tell the owner this but you know we love cherry blossoms but like we don't have time to go there now so can you please can you please just take us can you please just take us to the hotel right then of course tom was like who's you know very observant tom was like oh did you notice and i was like what and he's like his clock is deliberately set 15 minutes fast so <laughs> So basically, oh, 
So, so his clock is set like 15 minutes fast. So he basically got rid of his 15 minutes early, like because, you know, he was determined to lock up. I mean, you're saying, I wonder why. I mean, <clears throat> I'm guessing the only reason can probably be that he uh, just likes to, you know, he, maybe he goes home, has his dinner. I, I don't know. Like it's who knows. Right. But he whatever, whatever happened, like we were not hanging about. We yeah. were not chatting I mean, we, and we, we've becoming seen, friends. You, there's a couple places. Um, Birdland comes to mind first. Birdland in Kitasenju in Tokyo, where he he does the afternoon time. Then he'll close for 90 minutes and then open again for bar time. Um, and yeah, you know, yeah. Know he's, he's quite older. He told me he'll take a little, he'll take like a 30, 40 minute nap. And then he'll just sort of like do the dishes and get the like bottles ready for the nighttime drinking crowd. Mm. So it's like, okay, I, I kind of understand that when you're running the place by yourself, especially if you're a little older, you know, maybe you need that break time. But, you know, again, Monin is <laughs> certainly doesn't look like Grand Central Station. And I'm also really curious, Philip, it's not really even that far from like Akita Station. Why did he have to call you a taxi? You easily could have walked it back. I mean, maybe it would have taken you 20, 30 minutes, but, you know, what, why yeah, was he thinking about a taxi? Did he think that maybe you'd get lost or like, oh, you're visiting up here? So I don't really know. You don't have a car. I don't really know. And also, the other thing was, like, we talked about how these places don't make any money, but, like, we just had, I think we had, like, a beer each. And then actually he, then he also, that's, that was the other thing. He also then, I think when I mentioned the Ireland thing, he got the whiskey out. So he gave us like two shots um, of whiskey. And I was like, you know, I, this, this, like this jet lag is really feeling real now. And Watch like, at 4 p.m. after you got off a plane. I know, right? Some whiskey shots, and, yeah. And it yeah. cost us three, it cost us 3,000 yen as well. Like it wasn't cheap, you know? It was just, he was just a very unique guy. He'd also done this thing where he'd got a picture of Steve, Steve Jobs holding up, I think, an iPhone. And he'd photoshopped the word moaning of the, the, the bar onto this screen of this, like, uh, phone that Steve Jobs was holding. So as he as we left, he was very he was very insistent that we also, you know, had a look at that and had a laugh at that. And then he sent us on sent us on our way and that was it. So yeah, I mean we could have walked, but it was actually just you know, like at that point, like it was it'd been a long day. I was really exhausted. So it's just sure, like, do you know what? Sure. Let's just get to the hotel. Let's get checked in and let's, you know, well, um, let's get to the uh, next there's, place. There's one, one last point about Monin. Again, I've, I'm so super jealous and I, I, I'm thinking to book a, a weekend up in Akita soon after this conversation. But um, do it. It, it is um, it, uh, just looking at some of the street maps here right now while we're talking. And it is very close to Akita University. So perhaps... He gets some of the, you know, yeah. we've talked before about how in Japan you have these like clubs in college that are called circles in Japanese English. So yeah. the jazz circle, uh, which would be members of not just the, the university marching band, but people who have their own little quartets or quintets or whatever, um, you know. There would be enough students, I imagine, at a university that size that that could sustain him, you know, maybe during the daytime uh, or even just coming to drink at night. Although it doesn't sound very cheap from what you said. So, you know, a lot of university students. No, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's a student um, budget at all. I just look at the photos. Actually, he he's holding, it, Steve Jobs is holding a phone, but he's holding, it's the it's the Art Blakey cover, but he's got, it says Jazz Cafe Moon oh, in that's, it. But, that's um, beautiful. But he's obviously a guy who's about, you know, other music too, because he had this Van Morrison album particular um i noticed that just looking at the photo that i took from the outside that he actually has the freewheel and bob dylan as well in the window so but but it is very much like a jazz place you know and i just thought it was fascinating because to see that kind of <clears throat> to see that split level you know again in tokyo is kind of unimaginable i know there are big there are some big places like maybe doug and so on but generally speaking you know they're these are one floor places and you know they're pretty cramped and and pretty tight as we've mentioned as well it's also it was also moon dance god i'm i i really was jet lagged it was actually the moon dance album not astral weeks that he played but um mm. either way it was definitely the it was definitely the old lang syne that they play in department stores it was like okay it's time for you boys to go now yeah. on your way here you go irishman get, get the hell out of here <laughs> here's some irish music now clear <laughs> off yeah anyway so yeah, that was that. That was uh, that was moaning, and then, as you know, James, the final uh, the final frontier that evening was the uh, legendary. I'd say it's safe to say Rondo, right? Now you haven't made it to Rondo yet, right? 
I have not made it to Ronda. Ronda's one of those places, um, well, not nearly as much as Basie. As we've talked about on many episodes, uh, Basie in Iwate Prefecture, our friend Swifty Sugahara-san, you know, maybe the most famous jazz kisuten outside Japan and in Japan. So when you tell people that this is what you do, your hobby, your project, they always ask you or they always tell you about Basie. But once I started getting deeper into the project. And I would tell people like, no, 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 I've been to a lot of the famous ones, but wh- where else can you recommend to me? Anywhere that you might know around the country. And easily in the top five places that was mentioned where I was told very sternly in some cases, oh, you, your project's not over until you go to, to Rondo. You have to go to Rondo. And right. Like, oh, okay, okay. It's it's on the list. Again, Akita, not easy to get to. And, and, and my previous two trips to Tohoku, I was focusing all the way in the north and then the east. So the next one will be Akita is on the west coast. Uh, but yeah, definitely Rondo is one of those top five joints for sure uh, that people have always said, look, you're going to really love it. The owner is really great. He's a little bit quirky, but I mean, jazz kisa owners, are that goes without saying, right? They're almost all quirky in one way or another. Um, so I'm very eager to hear about your experience there because, again, for our listeners, Philip has done a very good job. We're talking, what has it been, seven weeks now? Um, you've kept some of these great adventures <laughs> saying saying that we were going to save it so get real-time reactions so so we've heard about monin and uh now let's let's get to the to the very legendary rondo well rondo i mean it was just like what a way to finish the day because obviously you know like you, you know like this is a project of highs and lows and like you get really buzzed by certain things and then you know you turn up in other places and they're gone and we're going to cover a couple of those in in the, the upcoming episodes and <laughs> Or they're closed and like you've traveled all this way and like it's so frustrating. But that you have, you know, we we try as best we can like to lean into that kind of journey, you know, that that sort of emotional journey because, you know, you do have a frustration or you do have a disappointment and then you turn up somewhere else and you're like, and obviously that day, like I was just, I was like, I should buy a lottery ticket because Kenny Tone was great. Monin was even better. Uh, and, you know, and then we got, we, we got to Rondo and Rondo is like, <clears throat> it's more like in Akita, you know, obviously in, in the city, like in, in, more in the mix, you know, of, of, of kind of nightlife and stuff like that. But it's this, again, very, it's like a house, you know, and it's, it's kind of um, white with brown sort of timber uh, trimmings on the outside. Again, it looks kind of very alpine kind of like picture postcard. And when we went in, like right around opening time, I think it's, I think they open five to midnight now or something like that. So we got there pretty early because again, you know, sometimes if you get there on time or you get there just after it opens, it's a bit quieter and there's more opportunity perhaps to take photos and stuff like that. But I mean, Rondo did not disappoint. I mean, it was really amazing. I mean, first of all, we spoke to the owner now. Actually, the owner that you're referencing, the husband, was not there that evening. He was involved in some local festival organizing. So it was actually his wife, mm. um, Naka-san. They're, they're called, the couple are Naka, and her name is Naka Shizuo, and she's the owner. And we got chatting to her after a while. And, I mean, she was just the loveliest woman. And she started, of course, then to tell us these stories. So, first of all, they've been going for f- 56 years, um, including nine years at a, at a different place. And the actual building they're in now is... Um, 150-year-old building. Oh, wow. That's... And the walls inside are made from something known as tsuchikabe, which is always tricky to say, tsuchikabe, which is basically like, you know, sort of dirt walls. So like they're, they're, they're I mean, not literally, but they are made from this kind of like organic material, like from dirt. And like a lot of traditional buildings would have been made that way. And of course, one of the things that she was saying about this was, you know, it's really good for the sound, right? When you're when you're playing sound like loud in there, like it has a really nice like, uh, you know, effect on the sound. Like the acoustics are really good because of these walls. So you're already walking into this thing. I think she said it used to be um, like a sake distillery. So, um, that, well, I mean, that, it's just again, so... That, again, that makes sense because um, Akita is famous for three things in Japan, and one of them is sake. So, you know, um, yeah. the other the other being rice. Uh, well, rice is main ingredient for sake, and, and the other one being, uh, well, so the Japanese say, the uh, amazingly beautiful women uh, uh, from Akita Prefecture. So I'm not sure you met many of them in your two jazz Kisa visits, Philip, but maybe we'll save that for our, you know, Tokyo Jazz Noise After Dark podcast, which we're slowly getting a lot of material for <laughs> based on today's outtakes. Well, I mean, you might be, but I mean, Nakasan was a, be- she was a beautiful person. I mean, she had a lot of chat, um, was very keen to tell stories and to explain 
um, you know, things that had happened in the place. But like, it was just incredible because around the place they had dotted, you know, like lots of photographs. So Bill Evans had been there and, you know, she, she'd met them, uh, sorry, she'd met him. Um, you know, she then pulled out this big uh, photo album and she was like, oh, that's Jackie McLean. Oh, that's Art Farmer. Oh, that's Sonny Stitt. That's Ray Bryant. That's Max oh Roach. So all these people, right, had been in and around Akita. They'd obviously, some of them been there. She'd met them. Now, then she started to talk about Joe Sample. Oh, and she's like, oh, yeah, what? that's Joe Sample. That, that's the Crusaders. You know, they played here one night. And then she's like, and the best thing was, right, they came back the next night. And she was like, and you know why? She's like, because you see this shop next door? They said it was the best fried chicken they'd ever had. So they came back <laughs> to get this chicken and they came in the second night, right? And she has photographs of all this, like all just in this big album. And she's like flicking through all these photos and like telling me all these stories. And you're just thinking like, again, you know, like I've said this so many times and like as a photographer in particular, this interests me because it's like, well, where is this, where is this going to end up, right? Like this is, you know, museum level, like archive materials, like just the whole history of Japan, you know, and jazz, uh, like in these photo albums, you know, like for, for and decades. One, and one more, and like, and one more time, Philip, 600 kilometers from Tokyo. So this is yeah. not, and, and, and a 600 hard kilometers over the mountains. So this is, this is a, a, a part of Japan that is not easy to get to, especially when those guys were going, because that would have been an all day bus ride or, you know, bus and train or car or whatever. So we're, and we're talking about jazz royalty coming, not only just to visit, but to actually play there. I mean, I, I I'm just speechless, man. Jesus. Yeah, it was just unbelievable. Now, like when you go in, it has this, you know, it has a counter on your left and it's a big collection of CDs, actually mostly CDs. And then like down the end, there's a couple of tables and they have the speakers. And again, it has this interesting kind of split uh, level. So in that downstairs room, the 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 lower part of it towards the end of the building is open. So you can actually go up and she allowed me to climb up. Like you have to literally climb up on all fours. And there's this kind of little viewing deck on the second floor with like a couple of chairs and like a much lower Japanese style table. So you can look down there on the, uh, on the speaker system. Or of course, if there's a gig, you could be looking down on the band as well. Um, and like, it's just, you know, one of those places where you're like, this is just, and then she started to talk. So her husband's actually quite an accomplished filmmaker. So he had studied film in Tokyo. And again, this is this kind of idea, I suppose, of this pollination that, you know, where a lot of people maybe came to Tokyo at a very, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you know, integral time for jazz and for jazz kisa. And then they went back to where they came from and kind of like yes, pollinated this we, jazz culture that, all around the country. You know? We've seen that so many times. We've seen it up in the north. We've seen it as far down as uh, as Kyushu, where these guys came to Tokyo to go to college and work for a couple of years and then go, you know, absorb all of that jazz kisa culture, the underground, the sort of, you know, uh, student anti-government movements etc uh, etc et and then and then go and bring it back and yeah I, I did want to ask about that because um an american guy uh john shout out to john who's a loyal listener of the podcast who i've met a couple times when he's visited here in tokyo um john was telling me about uh the time that he went up to rondo and they were talking quite a bit about you know film and the Japanese film world. And you can see if you look at some of the various pictures that other people put up online, you know, there are some old photos of him, um, you know, holding a camera, holding a film camera. And so I, I would love to be able to go back and, and, and talk to, you know, talk to both of them about that time in Tokyo, what they did when they came back, what Akita was mm. like back then before the population declined. And, and, and certainly as well, you know, and I, I hate to always harp on the weather, but, you know, you mentioned the, the sort of like second floor of the building and the exterior of Rondo is is really is exterior and interior look quite beautiful, but there's some pretty pretty crazy looking winter photos of the of the building. Yeah, I'm sure. Where yeah, there's just like a ton of snow and ice just hanging from the roof, and you know you you can really feel that like you know Japan is is so much more diverse uh, because I I always describe Japan as being like a secretly tropical country because most people who visit don't know how hot and humid it is here but that's yeah, yeah, I'm yeah based in the tokyo area but if you hop on that train and head up north you are as they say in japanese you're in yukiguni you're in the snow country and and certainly akita has that and and the you know the whole the whole aesthetic of, of rondo of, of that building um with the wood it just everything about it looks like you're just like about to sit in next to a cozy fire listening to some really cool jazz no matter what time of year it is you know 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was, yeah, I mean, I think, it, I feel like it's the only thing that could make it better, right? If you're sitting there, like in the snow, and it was all warm inside oh, there. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, it feels like a bottle of bush you know, mills and I'm going to Right? For the night. It's like, yeah. how could you make it better? It's like, set, set oh, it in the snow. Yeah. But she, she actually was a bank worker. So she worked in a bank locally, um, and he was a customer. And so he came in and they fell in love and then he asked her to like help out with this place. And so they've been running it like all this time. And I think what was really interesting for me, particularly as we sort of went on talking, we've talked a bit about, you know, female owners and, and certainly some places, maybe like Coltrane and Coltrane, you know, obviously we didn't know those owners that well, but like mm. with Coltrane, Coltrane in particular, you know, and, and, and some of the other places we've seen, you know, if they're run by a couple, I think often it seems to be quite like a traditional kind of gender roles where the master, you know, chooses the music and, you know, chats to the customers. And quite often the wife is kind of, you know, like doing, you know, stuff behind the counter. She may be preparing the food or making the coffee or these kind of things. But chatting to Nakasan was so interesting because... I, I talked a little bit about, you know, what we're doing and the project and this kind of thing. And for the first time ever, I think that I can remember one of the owners, she said to me, um, and like <laughs> a rough translation of that is, you know, yeah, actually, you know, jazz kisa culture is pretty amazing, isn't it? And like, we often talk about how the owners are very much like either not aware that it's specifically a Japanese phenomenon or they certainly don't speak of it in those terms, right? There's often a kind of humility and a, oh, you know, this dirty old place. And, you know, we even had the guy in step say, you know, why do you want to take pictures of this kind of dirty place? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. so like to me, that really kind of like I wrote it down because I thought, you know, that that's definitely feels like you know, something that's, different. That's you know? There's two there's two points about that that's very interesting. The, the, the first being that, yeah, I, I think, though, um, perhaps a lot of the opposite that we get, like you mentioned that, oh, you know, why would you want to, why are you interested in this old place? A lot of that is is a sort of a, an older generation sort of Japanese humble or humility, humble way of speaking. Um, yeah. Combined, combined with also just a general sort of crankiness as you get older, which you and I are obviously slowly experiencing day to day, um, you know, but well, I experienced it from you. Yeah. Imagine when you've been running the joint for 40 years, 50 years, you know, you might start to get a little bit, you know, ah, whatever this is, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Take your pictures and get out of here. Um, but I think the, the, the other part though, what interesting, you mentioned that sort of like gender roles. I agree with you, but the flip side of that is that generation, the, the usual pattern would have been men marrying women, quite a few years younger than them. Sometimes, I mean, I know owners, there's a 10-year age gap. And so at the point when I started to meet a lot of these Kisa owners who were in their 70s or sometimes above 80, they were starting to lose their fastball a bit and not really handling everything. And you could sense that it was their wife who was really running the place, you know, whether mm. it was the business side of things, all the accounting, or even just things like ordering from the, the local, you know, uh, the local liquor stores to, to get your stock up. And yeah. the owner was sort of, sort of like shunted to the side. It's like, oh, okay, go put on the record now. And here's your cigarette. Here's your coffee. And I'll handle the rest of it, which is, I think what's happened in, you mentioned Coltrane Coltrane the last time I was there. Uh, there was definitely that vibe because he was talking to an old friend of his, both of them who were celebrating their 80th birthday. Um, and the, the entire 90 minutes I was there, he didn't move. He was just smoking, drinking coffee, talking, and she was handling everything else. And, you know, mm. to be fair, she was much more ganky, uh, much more lively and, and healthy looking than, than he was. So it's it's mm. kind of interesting to look at that, how like the, the, the wives have sort of, in a sense, taken over some of the Kisaten. But from what you're saying in, in Rondo, it looks like they were involved together running it maybe maybe from the beginning. Certainly her bank experience would at least helped with the with the finances. We know that a lot of these places don't make a lot of money, or at least they don't know how to manage yeah. their money very much. Yeah, while we, we finished speaking, on Philip, a, though, I'll be honest, while we, while, while you were talking, I was listening to I you know. very intently, as, as I always do, but uh, I, I'm, I'm so damn jealous that I'm actually looking up to see if those Tohoku uh, three-day passes are still available. Oh, I thought you were going to say just, you're looking at the photograph of the Crusaders that I just sent you playing in, in Rondo. But. Oh, stop. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> just to torture this you. Is, like. This is some 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 good revenge for those for those four years of COVID when I was traveling and uh, and we would be recording and 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 you couldn't exactly. Get so that's uh, that's definitely good. But um, but yeah, I mean it's I mean Rondo, yeah, it, it sounds like from what you said, it, it lives up to to everything. Oh my God, Philip, this picture of the Crusaders, geez, you got to get this online. I mean, they're all oh, in yeah. frame together too, like. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just nuts, man. It's so hard to photograph those damn albums too in the, that light, you know, because there's just like so many lights everywhere and they're all covered in plastic. But anyway, it's it's like yeah, you can see it. So it's it's I was pretty pleased, but like it it sort of ended on like a really interesting note as well. So you know we'd been chatting and like you know, and again, I mean I was in the depths of this jet lag, so I, you know things are blurry. But it's funny at the end, I just as as a politeness, I. I said, oh, I'll just, you know, leave this card with you just so, you know, if you're interested, the website is here and this is the project. And and it was funny because she was like, oh, do you want do you want my card as well? And I said, well, yeah, sure. You know, because like, as we said, you know, it's kind of a, it's a lot of, particularly the business world, right? All still functions on this kind of exchanging of business cards. It's like a big deal, right? How you take it, yeah. how you treat it, mm. where you put yeah. it, all these sort of things. Of course. And funny enough, then she kind of like, there was a slight shift and she was like, Okay. And she like went to the till and give me this card. And I and I was like, okay, thank you. And she was like, yeah, you know, I kind of think, she's like, I don't really like this whole business card thing. And I was like, oh, okay. She was like, yeah, it's kind of like kakawarui. And I was, which, 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 which translates as kind of not very cool, oh you know? And she was God. like, it's not very what? cool. It's not very jazz. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I'm being oh, like, man. I'm being, you know, oh, so it's like the try hard foreigner, you know, exchanging the business card. And this woman's just like, ah, oh, you dork. Like, what are you doing? You know, like oh, you just spoiled man. it. So I don't know. I might be just, overthinking it, but there was definitely no, no, like a shift. It's really, listen, it's really interesting. You know how many places we've been to, okay, over the years and how many places I've been to, you know, even before that. And, and it's amazing because you have that incredible sort of like dichotomy of this is this is non-mainstream culture these are people who are out of the mainstream at a time when when you were outcast basically you were in the nighttime world you know when you opened a jazz bar or a jazz kisa and many of them you know leftist politics interested in avant-garde art etc cetera, etc cetera. not the people you would associate with very formal japanese business manners and yet time and time again I've had these kind of conversations where we've talked about the great underground world of jazz kisa and this and that. But when it came time to bring a meishi out, to bring a business card out, it was done in the usual, very, very formal Japanese style. So I'm absolutely uh, impressed and, and fascinated that she would have she would have done that, but then said to you like, oh, this is kind of lame. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, it was it was such a it was such a kind of it really made me think. I mean, obviously you kind of get all sorts, right? Because we in top when I went to top rank that time, the guy had he's like, oh, I don't have business cards anymore, so he just kind of like scribbled his name on a piece of paper and gave it to me. So like you know, it is a mixed bag, but it you just expect it to be so deeply embedded, and yet she was kind of like, eh, okay, like if you want to do this, yeah, that's fine, but like why'd you go and spoil it? You know, like it was, it was just a really interesting kind of way to finish, but she was lovely. And, you know, uh, just as we were leaving too, you know, there's a kind of a glass case by the door and it has like a couple of her husband's awards and some of the films that he's been involved in producing and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. just again, just this beautiful, beautiful place. And, you know, like you can't help but wonder when these owners go, like what is going to happen to, to this place and all these like things that are in it and you know just an incredible place so james get yourself to moaning and rondo like before it's to uh, and kenny tone for that matter so i mean you could basically relive this trip yourself with one of these cheap passes i am um i'm on it as we speak so go ahead and uh do the outro and i will um do my greetings afterwards while i do my research you're basically just booking (laughs) tickets brilliant okay listen that was Akita. That was the first of. Um, I think we'll, we'll we'll go with the four days, right? Because um, we, we we had a really interesting place that we're going to focus on on the way back mm. from from coming mm-hmm. up north. So um, you yeah, know that was kind of the four, first four of those harder, four yeah. northern episodes. And um, yeah, what a joy! It's so nice to be able to finally uh, now the embargo is lifted to be able to finally tell you some of these stories because I've been absolutely bursting to do so. But listen, thanks for today. Um, we'll talk again next week for episode or a couple of weeks time for episode fifty two. Until then. Take it easy and look after yourself. You betcha. Talk to you soon, buddy. See ya. Bye bye. 